This is The Bull, the Bear, and My Brother's Chair, a podcast hosted by brothers Nate and Brian Lucius, leaders of Gradient Financial Group. Each episode, they'll talk about how they're bullish, how they're bearish, and the chairs that they cherish. I'm Joel Button, a former school principal, lawyer, family man, and ultra runner. And I'll be on the podcast today to talk to the guys about how I adventure run and how that interacts with my work and the rest of my life. Let's get started. Here we go. Welcome back to the Bull, Bear, and My Brother's Chair podcast. This is Brian Lucius, and I am joined with... Nate Lucius. Good morning, B. Lou. Hey, hey, good to be back on. We've got a good show today. We've got a guest coming on named Joel Button. Now, what Joel... Now, he is an attorney by day, but it's what he does in his free time, which is the inspiration to the entire show. Guy is an ultra marathon runner. Do you know what an ultra marathon runner is? I can't say. I'm, I'm familiar with the concept, but, but practically speaking, I don't know how it works. <laughs> All right. An ultra marathon is anything over 26.2 miles. Okay. Right? But they're much longer usually. So, Joel runs 100-mile races. Wow. Which is absolutely incredible. I didn't know somebody did 100 that. 100 miles. And what uh, blew my mind as I was thinking about it is, is I wouldn't consider myself an avid runner, uh, not really built for speed. Right. But right. if I try to run, like, a cheetah. like I can run three miles, okay. And it did take some discipline for me to do it. I start getting past that. My body wants to stop, but my brain definitely wants to stop. Right. You know the feeling. Oh, 100%. So Joel's going to talk through how he gets through that, how he trained for that, and to how do you continue to push when either you physically or mentally don't want to do it. And in his scenario, it's not a business. His livelihood right. isn't on the line. Like, this guy's out doing this for fun. You, you got to have some discipline to push on that. I'll give you a little uh, perspective here. Uh, I was going to drive yesterday for like 50 miles, and I thought to myself, <laughs> that is a long drive. And so running 100... Oh. It's like, I, I'm not sure how you even do that. I'd have to run around my block like 900 times. <laughs> think, of, think of somewhere, for anybody listening right now, of a city that is 100, 100 miles, miles away. And think about driving there, like Nate said, and then think about yeah. running there. You'd have to go from my house, if you're in Minnesota, my house to St. Cloud and then about halfway back. <laughs> halfway back. Right. Along the freeway. Oh, it'd be brutal. So well, anyway, running, that's, that's crazy. Duluth. So Joel, join us later on the show here, but let's uh, let's talk about what we're bullish and bearish on. The other thing is the this week, last week, Johnson and Johnson rolled out their vaccine. It got yeah. approved. Look like they've got single dose, four million doses coming out right now, and they I think committed to or promised a hundred million by the end of June. So I'm curious on the evolution of that. You're right. I mean, this vaccine. You know, it didn't start that long ago in terms of medical you know, timelines yep. are concerned. So then you got the first ones that come out that are, you know, obviously double, they're, they're two weeks apart, dual dose. And then they've got to be either sub-zero or mm-hmm. frozen or something. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, quickly within a month or two or three months, you've got a single dose that maybe just has to be refrigerated. So I just, I'll never understand that. Maybe that's something we'll get, but man alive, that seems uh, seems like a large... Uh, step forward in a very short period of time. Man, and there are definitely smarter people than me making those things. Like, however you block five smart people in a room and say, figure this vaccine yeah. out is quite impressive. But a one but dose will change the game. It definitely does. And I do feel like now that there's a third, 
you're you're starting to see, I would say, more consumer positivity about opening up the economy. Right. Would you agree with that? Oh, for sure. I mean, we've internally had more travel starting to come on the books, not right now, but for later on in the right. year. I feel like uh, a lot of the schools are are headed back to school now, and so uh, I know there's certainly a seems to be a lower dip in in in. Uh, and virus counts in the right. U.S., so like it feels like yeah. People, by the end of July, open so back up. Wide um, open. I, I'm curious to see what happens when you know come fall time when we get for work, travel, and business stuff. If we go right back to what we were a year and a half ago, or if we, you know, maybe balance that out a little bit with some more face face to face meetings as well as more uh, video meetings. But I don't know what'll happen there. I think uh, we've got a couple, like Brian said, on the books here, starting kind of mid year. Uh, some smaller events in our office, uh, one in Kansas City, and then, of course, one in Florida in July. So anyway, I'll just, I'll tell you that when we've opened up our meetings, and, and I think one piece of advice I would give is obviously you've got to look at the local and state and how comfortable you are with doing things. But I'll tell you, if you do things that others aren't right now, meaning starting to have meetings mm-hmm. and starting to maybe have in-person seminars or whatever it is, uh, they're going to fill. Yes. When we opened our event, uh, it filled. and It mm-hmm. filled quickly. And so you've got a certain percentage of the population and people that they're ready. And you're, you yeah. might you might have 10 or 20% that aren't ready. It's okay. But as soon as you do that, to the extent you're able and willing to do it, it's going to move forward, whether that's marketing or, or different events you're doing. And that's a 200-person event. That's right. not a, you know, 15 people right. or 12 people. People are, are ready to get back to face-to-face. And that, that, if I can kick it off, is probably one thing that I'm bullish on is – face-to-face meetings again. Yeah. And everybody who, I don't care what industry you're in, if you travel or go to enough meetings, like you can get a little bit burnt out on the standard cocktail receptions or the event or the meeting or the hotels or like the whole experience of it. You can get, you know, most of them are great, but you always got that one where you're like, man, I just, this week I could, I would not go if I didn't have to. But I'm really, since I haven't done them in a long time, really looking forward to getting back with people back to traveling back to normal so to speak but that face-to-face interaction is something that when you don't have it it's like the old you don't miss it till it's gone right really excited for those to come back online now yeah we've got several like i said several events coming up here and we're they're filling so i would encourage you to to get out there and be as as forward thinking and as aggressive as as you can be uh within the rules that you can play by yeah cool what about you, man? You I'll, got I'll take a bearish, bearish one, and this is kind of a business one, um, and it's only because I've had some recent experiences that, you know, really brought this to light. And the statements I'm going to make are not widespread by any means. They're just they're just the things I've experienced. But we all know businesses that are very organized. That are you know they have their stuff together, mm-hmm. right? You visit them, you go to them, you call them, you text them. Like, you know, something's going to happen. I put Delta Airlines on that category. Uh, most of the time, pretty, yeah. Pretty I think organized. So. And then we have businesses on the other half that are just, you 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 almost have to beat down their door to get something done. You beg to pay them. And it's like, guys, I understand you're probably busy. And I'm going to use one example and because this has been in my life recently. Uh, I'm going to put, you know, handy peop- handyman, handy woman. Yeah services, uh, plumbers, like anything you're trying to get done right now to your house. Okay. The first thing is if it's not $10,000, they probably don't have interest in it because everybody's busy. busy. But even if they do have interest, I'll give an example. I had a guy out to my house 
well, I have, I have one guy now that's doing it, okay? So he's great. Mm-hmm. Mitch, appreciate you, bro. <laughs> but the other guy I had out, I had him out, and I had a bunch of things I had to get done, okay? They were going to hang some, like, three ceiling fans, mm-hmm. couple lights, uh, redo a, not not change the light bulb, but do the fixture <laughs> thing. Yeah, right. They were going to, uh, I had to re uh, get a new faucet on one, probably 10 things, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's but pretty straightforward so, things. But like a whole, like a whole mm-hmm. day's worth of work, probably. And I talked to the one guy, I sent him an email, and I'm like, here's what I need done. I've got everything there. Probably take you five, six, eight hours. I don't know. Shoot me a quote. You know, let me know when you can do it in the next few weeks. Two days later, he responds back. Oh, hey, sorry. I call him. He calls me back and I explain it again to him what I already explained to him in the email. And this is a guy I've done business with before. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not like some you know Joe off the street. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, Nate, I, I could probably do that. Okay. It, it gives me that. You've all been there where you're like, you get somebody, they're like a customer service person. They say, well, yeah, I think we could do that. And then it just goes silent. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, Bill, that's not his name. I'm like, Bill, okay, you can probably do that. How much would it cost me and when would you like to do that? Well, well I suppose, you know, probably sometime in March. <laughs> and meanwhile, what I'm thinking, we're in Minnesota here and it's starting to get nice. And what I'm thinking is if Bill doesn't get this done, it's going to get nice again and I'm not going to see Bill till next Christmas. Quite possible. So anyway, it's like, listen, Bill, if you had a calendar or, or something, mm-hmm. if you had a notebook, if you had something where you could at least organize your life and get back to people and say, Nate, I can't do this till early April. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds great. But anyway, it's just it's frustrating. So whatever you have and in our business and, and ours included, some days you think you're just all over it and you're on top of the world. Oh, yeah. And other days you think, man, I'm so disorganized. Well, I'm here to tell you, you are way more organized than most people in this world. But I do think it goes to, to like, let's just stick in that home, home repair world for a minute. I mean, and I've had situations where I've had people come out to measure windows. Oh yeah. They come out, take the time to drive to my house, measure it. And then you never heard from them again. Like I get it. Maybe they send you the quote and then just nothing. For sure. (laughs) And so I, there's a difference too, when you're working with some of those companies and, and keep your company in mind for this as well of, when I call the highly organized plumber, right, there is a scheduling person, they schedule it, they quote it, versus when I call the single person, the sole business yep. owner, you kind of don't really hear from them. Nope. But when those quotes come back, what do you see on the single versus the highly organized? Generally, the highly organized is more expensive. That is correct, right? And so you sometimes you try and do something by yourself for cheaper or whatever, and you deal with this whole racket right. where you call it an organized business, you maybe pay a little bit more, but that customer service, that yep. on-time you, response you, is all You for there. sure have to balance how quickly you want to get it done, how much you want to spend, for sure. and how much you want to mess with it. For sure. But at the end of the day, it's pretty hard right now to turn down someone that says, hey, Nate, it's $854. I need half the money now, and he'll be there next Tuesday. Totally agree. I'm signing up for that. <laughs> totally agreed. So think about that in your business. If you're if you fall in the category of can't get phone calls returned on time or can't get people scheduled in or however, start Voice thinking about full. getting a uh, some support in yep. there, some uh, technology to help schedule things. And yes, the cost goes up, so your cost of goods goes up, but people will pay more for yeah. a better experience. I think people. too, it's it's you know as we're running businesses and like the plumber, right? Mm-hmm. What is the plumber good at? 
He's not a marketer. Mm-hmm. He's not a scheduler. Correct. He likes to fix things. And yes. He likes to do things, but yet he's tasked with scheduling and calling Nate back and then calling Nate's wife back because she's not happy with whatever he did and right. all those things. And the guy's just thinking, I just want to like use my wrench to do something um. under the sink or whatever, whatever happens. And so you got to just think about those things. If you're not good at it, don't do it. 100%. You're not don't. good at it or you don't like to do it. You got to right. find somebody else to do it. So yeah. anyway, overall, I'm still bullish on the world, but I'm okay. bearish with certain people that just are not organized and it's it's challenging. I would agree. I would agree. Well, we'll move on to uh, Joel then. We'll bring him on the show. And Joel is an organized dude, so you'll enjoy sure that. Sure, he is. But uh, again, attorney by day, ultra marathoner by night. He's got a phrase that I love, which is relentless forward motion. Always, no matter what you're thinking in, in, during that race or what you're thinking or how slow you're going or what you got to do, keep moving forward. So with that, Nate, I'm giving Joel your chair. You hop on out of here, and we'll bring Mr. Joel Button on the show. Will do. Well, Joel, welcome to the show. We appreciate you joining us today. Thanks so much, Brian. It's great to be here. And, Joel, you you definitely said one thing in in the intro of adventure running, and we're going to get to that. But before we get there, give us a little two-minute overview of Joel Button. Sure, that's that's a great great start. It's not all that exciting. Um, went to school at the University of Minnesota. Um, realized that my degree in history and German probably wasn't going to pan out in terms of a job. So I pursued my teaching license. Ended up being a school teacher, and then a school administrator. Um, that led me down a number of paths, and I ended up. Uh, administrating a private boarding school in the middle of cornfields in Iowa. (laughs) Kids from all over the world. That resulted in me bringing over the children of Olympic marathoner Mama Wolde from Ethiopia. Hmm. So Tabor and Adis came over. They lived with us. We raised them for a while. Um, Then I went to law school and uh, went back as an older student. There must have been maybe five other students in my class that were my age. Sure. Started a law firm here in Stillwater, and then about five years later, one of those older students in my class and I started having coffee together, and we merged our firms. And so uh, I'm now out here with an office in Stillwater, an office in Minneapolis, uh, some employees, and and a, a great firm. Cool. And now, <clears throat> adventure running. That's kind of what we're going to talk about today. And and you know, as if you listen to the show, we always have people on who have have done amazing things in life, and it could be in business or influencing people or whatever it may be. In this adventure running thing, tell us kind of what adventure running is, or how do, how do you define that? Sure. So. I call myself an ultra runner and it's a little deceiving because most of the ultras that I run, it's mostly walking. Mm-hmm. Um, so an ultra, ultra marathon is any distance that's greater than a marathon, 26.2 mm-hmm. miles. Um, and, and these races are typically set distances like a 50 K 50 miler, hundred miler. And now, now 200s, um, 200 miles. 
Yeah, 200 miles oh. is now the new 100 mile Ooh. race. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then there are a group of races um, that are right around the 135 mile, and those uh, tend to be winter ultra runs or bikes or ski races. Jeez. Um, okay. and, and that's the racing category. I, I, I am shifting to calling myself an adventure runner because I, I'm shifting toward just running adventures and not necessarily focusing on races. Races are great. Competition has a place. But I enjoy the camaraderie and the challenges of adventure running, which basically means you find a place that very few people have been or go you chart out a course and you go try to do it. And how, how did you, how did you get in ultra marathons and have you run, uh, the 50 milers, the hundred milers? How many of these have you done? Uh, uh, um, that's a great question. I don't know how many I've done. Um, <laughs> enough started, to lose track. <laughs> yeah. So I started, um, back in law school. And um, I guess the best way to put it, let me say this, is you don't really decide to do an ultra, it decides to do you. Um, mm -hmm. It calls you. Um, so I used to race marathons, um, moved to Iowa, and I found it difficult to train there. When we moved back to Minnesota, I jumped back into uh, running the Twin Cities and it was disastrous. I, I just, I'd slowed down and my pride just was pounding on me because people were passing me. So I, <laughs> I decided to stop running altogether. Mm -hmm. um, then I picked up a book called Ultra Marathon Man by Dean Carnaza. And it, it got me back into running because it inspired me to do something different, different mm -hmm. than everybody else. Um, that was in 2006. Um, at that time, my buddy and I set our sights on the Gobi Desert March, mm -hmm. which is a multi-stage significant run through the Gobi Desert. We didn't do it, but we did go out and attempt Leadville. That was my first, one of my first ultras. Um, so since 2005, I've probably done four to 10 ultra races a year. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, <clears throat> That's yeah. a lot. And, and then some additional um, training runs that are greater than a marathon and then, then some adventure runs. And um, so I, I don't really know how many, but um, how, there how, was a, Oh no, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, there was a, a while when I was training with my old bud uh, in law school, Pete, where we would run a marathon every Monday. Jeez. Uh, we called it Marathon Mondays. <laughs> and um, that was one of our training um, tactics to get ready for Leadville. Mm -hmm. And how, how do you, let's take a marathon, you know, which is obviously for a lot of people listening, a marathon is like, if I could do that, it would be amazing. And I'm sure, you know, that people could with training and it's, it's definitely, you know, a lot of mind over matter, but you definitely take a different step when you get to going a hundred miles, let's just say. And what is the, what is the mindset shift of the marathon, which you sound like you could run on, 
you know, Monday marathons, which for most of us is a lifetime achievement to then going to the hundred miles. Is it less about the race and more about just being able to accomplish such a thing? Or what is the difference that you find in those two? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I'll have to admit, I've spent the last 10, 12 years trying to answer that question, and I don't have a good answer. Mm-hmm. Let, let me say this, though. Um, for folks who think that it's such a great thing and such a great accomplishment to run a marathon or, or something more, um, quite frankly, I, I don't know if I could go out and run a 5K right now. And I know that sounds odd, but for me to run an entire three-mile segment is difficult. Um, my ultra running is so bound up in walking and climbing um, that there are things that people are doing every day that I find very challenging. For example, my wife runs every day. Mm-hmm. It, she loves it. It's just part of her routine. Um, when I started ultra running, I ran one day a week and that was it. Really? I'd I'd pick Friday or Saturday. I'd wake up at three in the morning. I'd be out for four or five hours and that was it for the entire week because I'm not very disciplined. So (laughs) there's a lot of things that are, that people are doing that are awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I can't imagine doing them and, and they, they would say, oh, well, I can't imagine doing a marathon. So it's all, it's all relative. <laughs> Different <you> gifts. <laughs> yeah. So then to answer your question as straight as I can, uh, stepping into anything, whether it's a 10K, uh, 5K, a marathon, a 100-miler, a 200-miler, my attitude is that it's an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't look at it as a race, like to beat anybody. I look at the whole thing as an experience. So for me, when I think about a hundred miler, it, it has so many components to it that are not running mm-hmm. that, um, I can just bite off these peripheral things like food. What food do I eat? How do I pack? How do I, um, how do I pack my drop bags? Um, <clears throat> What do I listen to? Do I listen to music podcasts? So I, I had a lot of other stuff to just this notion that it's a run mm-hmm. and that helps me. And how, how do you, you mentioned packing. So for most of us think for a marathon or something, we're not really packing. How long does it take people to do a hundred mile race? Yeah, that's for me. Um, here, here's a good example. Uh, there's a, superb 100 mile race up on the superior hiking trail mm-hmm. called the superior 100 uh, put on by John store camp. And it's, it's one of the premier races in, in the nation. But Just, it's pretty. John puts on an, an incredible race. It's a beautiful course, but the trail is rugged and relentless. Mm-hmm. And I generally average 35 hours. Okay, Sure. And so a couple you, days. Where do you sleep? Oh, you don't. You just keep moving. Um, now, some people sleep. Uh, and some people use that as an advantage. Sure. Um, but the winners do that course in half the time I do it. Really? 
Yeah. So it depends on the course. Um, my buddy just went down to Iowa and ran a hundred and, um, he, he runs the same pace as, as I do. We run stride for stride and he knocked that 100 off in under 30 hours. Wow. And, um, that's just, that's impressive. So it depends on the course, the terrain and the person. Sure. What, what but keeps you? Let me say this. Most of my running is not impressive. If you were to see me out on a trail or a course, you would say, Button, that's not running. Uh, I average 12 minute miles. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Over the course of a race. And over the course of 100, like the Superior, it's, it's more like 20 minute miles. Sure, because of the terrain and whatnot. Yeah. Which is totally understandable, yeah. but how do you, I mean, obviously at some point, if in, in, I don't care who most of us are, if we were even walking at a, at a brisk pace for 34 hours, I would imagine that you're, everything in you at some point wants to quit. Your brain's telling you to quit. Mm. Your, your legs are telling you to quit. You, I can't finish. I think my knee hurts. Like, you know how when you're you're running or doing anything that's strenuous like that, your body wants to fight you to say, stop this. <laughs> how do you continue through that or stay motivated or how do you fight those demons? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That you, you use the word demon. That, that is exactly what happens out there. Uh, most of us who are doing ultra runs are, are running from demons or we're running toward God. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. I think it takes practice, Brian. Um, some of my early ultra runs that I DNF'd on did not finish. Mm-hmm. I look back now and I think, I could, of course, why did I quit? Um, I, I can keep going. Every DNF I've ever had was the result of a mental breakdown, not mm-hmm. a physical breakdown. I believe that. So it it really comes down to a point where I, I have made a decision to stop. I'm tired. I want to go do something else. And for me over the years, I've learned how to prepare for those moments. So I do a lot of training at night. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of training when I'm tired. Um, I do a lot of back to back training. So, uh, running long on one day and then either running long the next morning or on the same day going out later that night and Mm -hmm. running into the darkness or running into the dawn. Um, because I know, I know I, I, I've learned over the years what causes me to want to stop. So, so here's a really good example. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did a hundred mile, um, I don't know, five years ago, seven years ago, uh, down near Rochester, it's called the Zumbro 100. And the only reason I quit was because my wife and children were coming down on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So on Saturday, just before noon, I quit because all I wanted to do was go back to the hotel and sit in the hot tub with them. Sure. <laughs> so, well, and, and here's another story that's, uh, I have a conclusion to that. And the conclusion is, is my wife doesn't come to my races anymore. Really? Um, but, <laughs> Yeah, and, and part of it is is to help me hedge against wanting to quit, to quit. and go mm-hmm. hang out with her. But actually, 
the reality is that's born out of an incident when I was out at Leadville and um, one of the aid stations was at a place called Twin Peaks and it's up in the mountains and my wife had driven 45 minutes to get there mm-hmm. with all the children, one mm-hmm. of which was in a metal backpack on her back and there was a lightning storm. Mm-hmm. And I came into the aid station, ran by her, looked at her and said, huh, and ran on. Mm-hmm. And that was my only interaction with her <laughs> at this aid station. And let me tell you, she gave me the riot act <laughs> and said, if you ever do that again, I'll never come into one of your races. So we, we, we've worked out a, a good way to <clears throat> manage uh, expectations sure. <laughs> um, in that regard. I can imagine that uh, she's there and kids are there to see you. You're focused on finishing. And those two didn't yeah. really c- combine well together. No. no, they didn't. <laughs> I would imagine. Do you, do you set and it now? Obviously, I mean, you can do these, you do enough of them, but do you set how many make a goal for how many of these you want to do? Or do you strive to do a new one out on the, you know, uh, Pacific trail or like, how, yeah. how do you go about planning your year with these? Cause you gotta, don't yeah. forget you got a day job, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So through 2020 out the window. Agreed. Because all my plans for last year just Join the club. The, the smoke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but typically I look to anchor my year with two or three um, hundred milers. And one of them is the Superior 100 up north. Either I'm going to run it or I'm going to help somebody run it as a okay. pacer and crew member. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fall, the fall is really set in September by that race. Um, and then I kind of work around from there. Um, my buddy Kyle Palmer and I have spent the last number of years working to gain points for entry into a race series in Europe that races around Mount Chamonix. And we got in last year, but we got bumped because of COVID. Sure. And we've been waiting to hear if we are in for 2020. And I got an email this morning and we're in. Oh, congrats. So <laughs> August, now we have another anchor and that's August. Um, going to Chamonix and running um, what's called the CCC. It's 100K around Mount Chomini. Oh, cool. Yeah. So we'll see if COVID allows us to get over there. So we've got August and September covered. Then what I did for this coming year is I just went through each month and I, I went through some old races to see if I wanted to put them on the calendar for this year. Mm-hmm. And I looked at some new ones. And so I've, I've got uh, the Grand Canyon in April. We're going to go out and run the rim to rim to rim. Oh, cool. And we're going to add... Uh, an additional day of running and try to do something that not too many people have done. We're going to go down a different trail and swim across the Colorado Oh, cool! and then go up the North side. I was at the um, bottom of the Canyon a couple of years ago. You're going to love it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's very cool. Uh, I'm going to go back and try to, um, nip Leadville maybe, but now that I'm in CCC, I don't think that'll happen. Sure. Um, 
I'm going to go out in September and run uh, the Muggy and Monster in Phoenix, uh, just outside of Phoenix, which I, I got a couple years ago. And I'm, I'm going to go out and try to finally finish the Moab 240. Um, I DNF'd that a couple years ago. And is and, that 240 um, miles? It is. Oh. Um, I went out I went out there with a, a good friend, Jason Husband, and he finished, and, and I pulled up at 135. Sure. That's impressive. So we're <laughs> we're going we're to go out again and, and see what we can do. Now, you seem like you're the kind of guy who, and I, I know this about you too, is that you know we were talking earlier this week, and you mentioned that you're getting your pilot's license, and you do these runs. You were a, a principal, and you decided to go get your law degree, you seem like the type of person that strives for the little bit extra in life, the extra experience. But I, I also know that you, you somewhat mentor others to do great things. Where, where does that come from, from you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, without sounding didactic or preaching, um, it comes from the fact that I, I, quite frankly, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and um, that really impacts the way I look at the world and, and my responsibilities, um, and it, it basically boils down to considering the preciousness of other people mm-hmm. ahead of myself. Um, and and I'll tell you, it it's bizarre, but the more I do that, the better my life gets. Um, sure. The the more oh, horrible grammar here, but the more better stuff happens to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, whether it's running or law, I've just, I've just, and I, I just learned that it is great to help other people, and I learn more. Uh, I go further. Um, so here at the law firm, um, I've I've brought a number of new attorneys in to mm-hmm. our firm to give them some work, uh, help them gain some confidence, help them earn some money while they're starting their law firm. They've all gone on to like do so much better than I. Um, but we, we still get together. We read some books, get together about every six months, talk about business, try to encourage each other. Um, and in running, you know, um, Someone once told me, for every race you do, try to support somebody in their race. So many years back, uh, a good friend, Zach Pierce, and I were running a lot together, and um, we would run a race and then switch and pace the other person. Cool. Um, And that's just been a great habit to keep in mind in just about everything. And I've learned so much from people. I... One of the benefits of this ultra community is um, people are very helpful. And Mm -hmm. so I've learned tons um, about clothing, food, how to run, and trying not to give too much advice. But being able to help people is just, it just helps everybody. No, totally understand that. How how do you compare, you know, you mentioned the law firm, mentioned, we talked about running. How do you compare running to business? Do you see any similarities there? 
Yeah, there, there are. I would say two words come to mind, persistence and enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And I feel pretty uh, privileged isn't quite the right word. I'm grateful that mm-hmm. I enjoy my job. I, I know a lot of people don't have that uh, luxury. We were talking about but, that the But other I day. really do, and yeah, I enjoy my job, and I enjoy running. And that makes a significant difference to my outlook on life and the way I go through each day. I also have a lot of freedom in my job, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of freedom in my running. Mm-hmm. Um, those those are really significant. Um, persistence, I think, is also applicable to both. There are aspects about everyone's job where persistence is absolutely critical, and and I, I would hesitate hesitate to say that being a lawyer requires more persistence than any other job. I I, I can't say that. I would just say that persistence has aided me greatly. Mm-hmm. in my career. I would imagine. Uh, whether it was whether it was being a principal or um, being a lawyer, w- one of the greatest books and simplest books I've ever read was um, this concept of being persistent in the daily things of life that they don't look like much, but when you do them every day, they, they reap great rewards. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and it's the same in running. Um, I mean, you can imagine it, sure. persistence in running is that's just the heart of it. <clears throat> it's not so much about being a great athlete or being in incredible shape. It's continuing to move forward. We have a phrase, it's called relentless forward motion. Sure. And that's how you finish <laughs> a true. race or an that's adventure. How, I think a lot of life has to do with a hard hard work and a positive attitude. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and, and relentless motion forward. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with speed. And and that's that's fortunate for me because I'm not very fast. Right. <laughs> well, I'm definitely <laughs> not either. And one of my one of my final questions, because you mentioned your office is in Stillwater, and for those of you who aren't yeah. from Minnesota, Stillwater is here in Minnesota. How in the world, it's going to be three below this week. How do you train in the wintertime? Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, there's three things I do. I spend a lot of time on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. And that the, the way I've learned to cope with that is I do a, a lot of different things on the treadmill. And they focus on incline training. So mm-hmm. I do a lot of different routines but the theme of all of them is focusing on incline and the treadmill is a phenomenal way to get incline work done because you're always going uphill. You don't have the downhills um, Mm -hmm. that take up half your time. Although quite frankly, in the mountain races that, that I run, the most difficult aspect is the downhills. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I know that from my Canyon walk when we hike down and coming back up, the down was yeah. darn near as hard as the up was. <laughs> I, I believe it. Yeah. Uh, the second thing I do is I spend a lot of time running on the St. Croix River. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that is like right in the middle of the river. It's frozen, um, and it is glorious. Uh, most years I put on uh, an underground race called the Full Moon Frozen River Run. And we go out late at night, and we run right down the middle of the river from Marine all the way into Stillwater. Really? But we spent a lot of time, yeah. We spent a lot of time on the river. And the third thing is... Um, I try to get away once a month to someplace warm. Okay. And run someplace where it's warm. Sure. Um, Very good. And that's for a lot of people, you know, we have people that listen to this all over the country and they don't realize that the river freezes so solid that you can walk down it. Much like they don't realize that lakes freeze so much you can drive cars on them. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Us in Minnesota, it's nothing new, is it? <laughs> Right, right. No, absolutely. I've got a good friend who's from the south, and I'm trying to talk him into coming out on the river, and it it it's blowing his mind. <laughs> He's gonna wear a life jacket. <laughs> what yeah, exactly? Uh, what parting advice do you have? I mean, you're you're. I would imagine that you know, health, fitness, taking care of yourself is probably something that is not always come natural to you. But I'm guessing you take that a step further than most. But you know, a lot of people, they work a lot or their families or your, you know, recreation. You always have time for health and fitness. What advice can you give somebody who just needs that extra shove to get out and do something like this? Or maybe it's not an ultra marathon, but, but take a step in the right direction to get healthier. Where have you coached people to take the first few steps? Yeah, that, boy, that is a great question. And I would generally say don't worry about becoming the best athlete than someone else that you have in your mind or trying to perform or train to a certain level that you think is required in order to run a certain distance or to do something in particular that's completely false Mm -hmm. Um, I guess the advice I would give is do a little more than what you're currently doing. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to get up an hour early every morning and go run, you know, three miles, five miles before work. That that's difficult. Mm -hmm. So I don't do it because I'm not that disciplined. Mm -hmm. But what I found I can do is I can wake up 15 minutes earlier and do 10 minutes of sit-ups and push-ups. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and then my, my schedule isn't, um, you know, cramped and mm-hmm. I can do that. And so I guess my, my advice would be just find little things that you can do, but don't believe the lies that you have to be at a certain physical level to accomplish something more than you are already doing. Just go try it. So if you're accustomed to, let's say, being able to run five miles around the block, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, this Saturday, go do 10. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to run every one of those miles. Walk some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> go think... a little further than you normally do. And in that vein, I would just say, in general, try 
to do more than you think you're capable of doing. Mm -hmm. Which is a good, good metaphor for running fitness, business, life, relationships, you name it. (laughs) Try to do a little more than what you did yesterday. Get, get, you don't be the best, just get better. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it involves risk and it's a little bit scary, but the more you do it, it's like a muscle. The, the more you do it, the, the more you see, oh, wow, I just took a risk and I'm still alive. Mm-hmm. But look what I did. And your, your courage grows, your confidence grows, and by golly, you get to see some pretty cool stuff. Mm-hmm. I totally agreed. Well, Joel, we definitely appreciate you coming on the show today. And certainly, uh, I hope you go get to run the, uh, the what is it, CCC? Yes, thank you very much. I hope you get to go over and do that because that, be, that will definitely be an experience. You'll, you'll enjoy the Grand Canyon. I went South Rim, down, back up South Rim. But if you're going South Rim, North Rim, and then back up South Rim, is that what you're doing? That's right. That, my friend, will be quite an experience as well. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Good. Well, we appreciate you having us on the show and sharing your insights. Certainly wish you the best of luck this year and uh, I look forward to having you on the show again sometime. Thanks so much, Brian. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Joel.